The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. When a person is addicted to drugs and or alcohol, the myriad of choices of treatment can be overwhelming. Narconon Ojai is a residential treatment facility that addresses the physical, mental, and spiritual aspects of addiction with a proven, evidence-based, holistic, completely drug-free, step-by-step program to free those trapped by addiction. For more information, call 1-866-231-5924. Today we have an interview with Quincy Carter. Quincy Carter was a player for the Dallas Cowboys, and he will likely go down in history as one of the most fascinating figures in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. In December of 2006, he was arrested for drug-related issues, and now his goal is to become a high school coach. At 42, he's a man who sounds like he's finally comfortable owning all of it. Without further ado, let's talk to Quincy Carter and get his story. Quincy Carter, thank you for being on the podcast today and being willing to share your story. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I just feel that all of the stories that we tell on the podcast, you know, while while there's a similarity that either the person or someone they know is addicted, there's differences. And we hope that with every story we tell, that someone listening will take some piece of that and get help. Mm-hmm. Do you know? That's yep. kind of the whole purpose. So, oh, yeah. so go back to your beginning. How did you get, how did you get started on drugs and alcohol? Um, you know, uh, I, I got started with, uh, with marijuana first. I was 16 years old, actually marijuana and alcohol. I was 16 years old. And me and my buddies decided to go in a, a, a local uh, elementary parking lot uh, where, you know, close to where I went to high school at. And we uh, we wanted to have a little drink-a-thon. And so we all, you know, went and got two 40s, you know, a piece, the big uh, Budweiser 40s. And, um, and we just started downing them. I downed my first one and, uh, you know, kind of felt, happy i guess don't know exactly uh can't describe exactly that feeling uh to be honest with you but then halfway down my second one uh maybe a quarter in um i started throwing up everywhere and um yeah and so uh so that was my first experience but then i smoked weed right after that because then we rolled up or whatever i smoked weed right after that and i'll never forget that feeling you know that was the best feeling uh, I had ever, you know, felt up until that, you know, 16 years I had been living on earth. I'm talking like I'm dead or something, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, well, you were that, in school, right? Quincy at that time yes, you were I in school. In, I was in high school. Yes, were you playing was, sports in high school? Yeah. Uh, I started playing sports at a very young age, basketball, baseball, and football. And I was doing three at the same time, uh, doing this, um, doing this experience I'm telling you about. Okay. Did, did smoking the marijuana, did it affect your athletic performance? Would you say? 
Um, at the time, you couldn't tell me it did, but definitely, you know, as I went back and started watching films and things like that, you know, I could tell when I was making quicker decisions and then when my decision-making wasn't as quick. And then plus, you know, playing the quarterback position, you know, you got to be on your A game every time you step out on that field, not only for yourself, but for the 10 other guys who are dependent on you. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it affected you know, me. You know, it's good to hear you say that because, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a little controversial here that more and more now states are looking at legalizing marijuana recreationally. And, uh-huh. you know, people don't look at what marijuana can do, but you just give a very practical example. You're in a sport, you're a quarterback, you have to make snap decisions. Mm-hmm. If you're high on marijuana, they don't come so quick. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I'm fighting with, uh, with these younger kids is right now, because, you know, they, they really do have the excuse of it being legal. Right. And, uh, and I have to explain to them that, you know, uh, you may think it's legal, uh, and it may be legal, but what you're doing to yourself, your body, putting yourself in harm's way, when basically you're playing a sport, it is basically a car crash on every damn. And if you're off your game, if you're not thinking as fast as someone else is thinking, not only are you, you know, giving you setting yourself up a uh, chance to being injured, but you're actually setting yourself up for failure. And I did that uh, during a lot of years that I played football. You know, that's interesting because I was going to, I was thinking about that when you were talking about going back and looking at the films and noticing for yourself that you weren't mm-hmm. quite as quick on the draw when you'd been smoking pot. You know, I would think that because I'm not a professional athlete, okay, I mean, I, uh, you know, I walk, you know, I'm not a professional athlete, but I would imagine that when you're a professional athlete and you, you have to not only make decisions as a quarterback, but just make decisions about your body and what your body is doing. And if you're yeah. high, I would think that the, the, you're much more capable of getting injured. Yeah. Not only getting injured, uh, but you know, you, you really, you're depleting the nutrients out of your body. So you're not performing at peak level, especially when it comes to the second half and the third or fourth quarter, you're dehydrated. Uh, so it's so many factors that goes in to uh, why you shouldn't, you know, be using marijuana while you're playing any sport. Yep. Did you move on to any harder drugs or did you pretty much just stick with marijuana and alcohol through your career? No, I eventually graduated to cocaine. Uh, Now, cocaine, actually, uh, I I had, you know, a few years where I was using uh, X pills also, but uh, cocaine really uh, hit me about 2015 and, um, and, you know, I had been known to, uh, <laughs> I actually, I'm saying the word known to, but hey, we think we're hiding our addiction, but we're not fooling anybody. But, you know, I have been, um, you know, using X pills for quite a amount of years, but when What's I got- What's an X pill? I'm sorry, Quincy, I don't know what that is. An X pill? What is that? It's ecstasy. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, ecstasy in a pill form. And did you uh, use that while you were playing? No, not while I was playing. Only smoking marijuana and drinking while I was playing. Okay. Yeah, but uh, my addiction really, really took off after I got cut from the Cowboys in 2004 and didn't sign a contract with anybody in 2005 and in 2006. 
my my um, my addiction took off like a seven thirty seven. Wow. So yeah. <clears throat> and you were a successful quarterback with the Cowboys, right? Um, sometimes I, I give myself too much credit and, uh, <laughs> and say, you know, I want to say I had this great four year career, but I did. I put some pretty good time in, uh, had some moments, um, but I stopped myself. You know, I stopped myself to where God was taking me simply because, you know, I couldn't stop smoking and drinking. That's fascinating. So you, you would, you, you would say that the drugs and alcohol contributed to your being retired from oh, the NFL. Played, yeah, it played a major part. And, uh, and it's the reason why I lost my first job with the, uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. And then after that, you know, it's trying to get a team to buy in to trust me. And then right. when you got all, yeah, then when you got everybody around, uh, the NFL saying, hey, you know, uh, he has a problem, he has an addiction, then who's going to sign a quarterback with the addiction? You know, so, uh, so yeah, I'm a uh, product of, uh, of my own, you know, uh, my own doing and my own uh, addiction. Right. Did you do painkillers at all while you were playing for the NFL? You know something? I didn't get into them. And one of the reasons why I really didn't, to be honest with you, because I was smoking so much marijuana. So basically, you know, I substituted the uh, the pain pills for marijuana, to be honest with you. Yeah. You were still feeling no pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm sorry that your career went that way. Um, and I'm I'm sure I'm not as sorry as you are that it went that way. So you got fired by the Cowboys, and what what happened then? Continue with your story from that point. Well, um, I went to the New York Jets about three weeks after uh, being released, and uh, I ended up playing the whole season with the New York Jets. Um, after the season, I was asked to come back and sign with the New York Jets, but you know, my ego uh, wanted to test the free agent market to see if I could still be a starter in the NFL. And I didn't want to be a backup for Chad Pennington at the time, which, you know, ultimately was a real bad decision considering um, everything that was being said behind me behind closed doors. And I mean, they were true. And so, uh, so I didn't get signed in, uh, in 05. Um, and then 06 rolled around. I actually uh, signed with the Montreal Alouettes, which came short-lived after getting released from that team after about three days of practice because of an argument that I had with the general manager. So, man, things just really, really started to snowball um, after 2005, um, and, uh, and I really could never get it together, put any real, real time in, uh, to stay sober enough for NFL team to trust to sign me. My best shot was, honestly, is when I met Hollywood Henderson. Uh, I ended up going to rehab in December of 07 after meeting him uh, down in West Palm, the Hanley Center, um, and uh, spent about uh, three, well, two months in rehab and then about three months in sober living. And then you know, Hollywood wanted me to stay there, really get some time up under my belt, really, you know, work the steps, work a program. And I was half-heartedly doing it and just got this bright idea to call the arena football team 
the next day after I had seen them play the Kansas City uh, Brigade, called the management the next day. And, uh, and yeah, they were ecstatic, you know, to sign me. And so, uh, so I was reaching out for that love and reaching out for things that, you know, that God could have gave me, the program could have gave me. And I went outside of it. And so I ended up calling them. They flew me out two days later. You don't even want to hear the conversation or even uh, a rebuttal of it that I had with Hollywood, but you can imagine. Um, and yeah, and I went up to um, went up to Kansas City, and uh, and I got a shot with the Miami Dolphins uh, three or four months later in August in training camp. Bill Parcells called me from you know, uh, from Miami, which uh, he was the head coach in uh, Dallas when he fired me. But now he was working in um, working in the front office as the president now. And uh, and they knew uh, just because they couldn't test uh, the the drug test that I had, the sample that I gave them, they couldn't test it because I basically, you know, uh, put hot water in the cup because I had started using again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Started using again. And they wow. couldn't, they couldn't sign me. They wouldn't sign me just because they couldn't even test the test. So, uh, so this thing just really snowballed on me. And then after uh, not being able to get signed by the Dolphins, then that whole just snowball that I had picked up, you know, from uh, getting cut from the Cowboys and, you know, everything not getting signed, it just picked ramp my addiction just ramped back up for another couple of years before I could just, like look up and say, hey, like, dude, like, what are you doing? That's after two DUIs, three weed charges. Um, a uh, what else did I have? I had a domestic in there, so it just really fell to pieces real fast. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name. Or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. For more information on our sponsor, Narconon Ojai, visit their website at narcononojai.org. That's N-A-R-C-O-N-O-N-O-J-A-I dot org. Or call 1-866-231-5924. That's 1-866-231-5924. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Did you have a family at the time? Were you married ever? Or? I, I wasn't married, but I think I was working on my fifth child at the time. Okay. Uh, in, by, by 09, 
I actually uh, added two more to the family back in 2013 and 14. I've got a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. So I'm up to seven kids now. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Yes. Yes. So, and so they're, right, they're actually right behind me, too, here. But they're the loves of my life, man. I'm so, sure. Yeah. So what was it, Quincy, that was, what was your point of no return? What was that wake-up call where you, you know, obviously it wasn't when Hollywood yelled at you about it. So yeah. what, what, what caused you to get to that point where you said you had to get clean? Man, it was last year of July. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to the young lady uh, just uh, just over the weekend about this. And uh, me and her, she was my girlfriend at the time. We went to a, uh, a boxing match. Uh, well, we went to go watch a fight. It was Pacquiao and Thurman fight. It was in July of last year, uh, 2019. And... Um, and, you know, of course, I was uh, drinking, smoking, uh, snort, snorting coke. And uh, and I really, like, literally from 11 o'clock from the time I got there until 4 o'clock, you know, where I went to the party with my girlfriend. And literally at 4 o'clock, I was calling her to pick me up. And I still don't remember her leaving or anything. And uh, she ended up leaving the party. She said I embarrassed her. Well, the next morning we get into it. And I had been on this roller coaster here for about, you know, 12 years, going to rehab, getting out. My, my, I got about 10, 11 months in 2017. And um, and, and, um, and waking up that morning with her, uh, she was pissed, of course. Uh, she had a little attitude. We get into a little argument. She leaves. Uh, remind you right now, I'm in an extended stay down in Donna, Texas. Uh, she leaves, and uh, and I just started bawling, crying, man. And I picked up the phone and called Hollywood, man, and told him, I said, hey, man, I know I've been told you this before. You know, I said, but, man, I need to get help, and I need to get it now. Because the thoughts that I had been thinking for over, like, about a two- or three-week period is like, man, like, I can't do this anymore but didn't really want to just make that call and just give up and say, Hey, you know, I'm all macho, man. I can get up out of this. And I'm, you know, and, uh, and I made that call to Hollywood and man told him, man, he told me, he said, Hey, listen, this is my last time trying to help you. Uh, because I've been through this before. All right. You'll get clean. And then next thing you know, you're off to the races. You don't listen. And so that was that moment, man, where I just had to, you know, really, man, uh, humble myself and say, because, you know, the hardest thing is, is that you've been, you know, you've been through this process so many times and now you got to face all this stuff all over again. And um, and I just I, I had to surrender, man, and say, hey, man, this has got to be it, man. I can't keep, you know, living like this, you know, so uh, so that was that moment. Wow. You know, I think the the sometimes the hardest thing is to ask for help, you know, oh, because yeah. we all want to think I can handle this. I can handle mm -hmm. this. And I'm, you know, I am sure that there are so many addicts out there who go, I'm not addicted. I can handle this. And to finally, you know, acknowledge the fact that you have a problem and that you aren't handling it. So you need help. That's mm -hmm. huge. You know, well done you for doing that. Thank you. So then, so then where, where did you go? Did you go back to that program in Southern Florida? 
No, I didn't. Uh, he's got a, a good friend of his. I'm not, I don't mean name drop, but Marcia Stone. Uh, okay. She's the owner, CEO of uh, BRC. And uh, he gave her a call. Uh, they called me back on three-way within about three or three to five minutes. She told me she had somebody on the way. If I really wanted to get clean and sober, it's a great place up in Maynard, Texas, right outside of here of Austin. Okay. And uh, and they were down uh, in Donna, Texas, in less than uh, five hours, you know, wow. uh, to pick me up. Yeah. So so how long have you been clean and sober? I've been clean now 15 months. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a I, huge accomplishment. I mean, it's oh, huge. Yeah. I know yeah. that when you're going through that, you have to do it one day at a time. Yeah. Now, let's see. How many? What is that like? 450 days, maybe something like uh, that. You know, I don't even count. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm so blessed to have Hollywood in my life. And I'll tell you this quick story. The reason why I don't even count, because I got guys like this in my life that I'm really listening to now. Uh, but I was telling him this was Wednesday or Thursday, uh, right before his 37th anniversary on uh, yesterday, actually. And uh, and I was telling, I was asking, I said, yeah, man, you got a big day coming up on November, uh, well, on Sunday, because it was like Wednesday. I said, on Sunday, you got a big day coming up. And he said his words to me was, yeah, if I make it. Like, what? <laughs> you know, so when you got people in your life like that who look at recovery, I mean, to me, those words were like, you know, like he looks at recovery like he just got sober yesterday. You know what I mean? So I couldn't tell you how many days it is, um, but uh, but I can tell you it's 15 months. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, because you yeah. have to work at it every day. Every day you when you wake you up, you have the you choice do. to either be clean that day or go uh -huh. find a dealer. And you make that choice every day. And I, I applaud you for making the right choice. I mean, you have... You know, you have so much to give, I think, with your story. Do you do, do you go around and talk to high school students and high school players and such? I do. I, um, I've talked to quite a few high schools here uh, in the last uh, months or so. Uh, I'm actually, I got the honor of doing uh, University of Texas San Antonio football chapel on this Friday coming up. Uh, so I'm excited about that. You know, I, I've got my own quarterback school uh, here in Austin, but I do camps all over across the nation. Uh, so, you know, it's, you know, it's uh, uh, plenty of opportunities that have, you know, arisen for me to me go out and share my story. And man, I'm just trying to come from a point of view of, you know, you don't want this misery right here. You know what I mean? I, you know, I thank God every day, man, for his grace and his mercy to get back to, you know, even some respectability of myself. Yes. Dang anybody else. You know yep. what I mean? Just yep. for myself to be able to look myself in the mirror and I can actually smile now, man. So, you know, and I thank God every day for that, man. Uh, you know, you hit you hit the nail on the head. The what you have to what you have to get back is your own self-respect. And you've done mm -hmm. that. And until yeah. you get your own self-respect, it doesn't really matter whether other people tell you you're doing good. You have to know for exactly. yourself. Yeah. yeah. We could, we, in our addiction, we could care less what anybody thought about us. It was all about that man in the mirror. And that's, that's how it's right. been. And I can actually smile at myself now. 
That's yeah. right. And the, and the, I think one of the most special things is you can impart that viewpoint in the people that you train to be quarterbacks, the kids who yeah. come to you, the camps that you run, because you're not you're not someone like me who hasn't had an addiction problem going, hey, say no to drugs. You're mm -hmm. someone who's saying, hey, you want to be professional quarterback? Yeah, well, let me tell you how to ruin it. Uh, exactly. And that's that's going to be my message on Friday. I can't wait. It's a, I, I don't want to spoil it. It's been a little incident that happened. Uh, and so now it really fits into how I'm living my life, the things that have derailed me. And so, um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. I really, I, but, but for, and for anybody, yeah. you know, uh, for any kid out there, uh, but to really get, cause see, this is the age that 19 to 22, where you're really defining who you're getting ready to be when you, when you hit 30, you know, uh, the decisions that you're making and then putting yourself in a position where you are successful and then you're not chasing you know, uh, that, uh, that marijuana or that alcohol or that Coke, or you never know where to get to, you know, heroin, uh, crack, I can go on and on. So, uh, so I, I'm really excited to talk to this age group on Friday. I really am. I think that's awesome. I hope that this whole COVID thing blows over and you have a lot more opportunities to do that because I just, I, you know, when someone is 16, like you were, you don't look at what, what life's going to be like when you're 30 and you don't look at what are the long-term effects. If I continue to smoke marijuana and continue to drink alcohol, you just don't look at it and mm -hmm. you can get in front of them and you can say, I'll tell you what it looks like. I'll tell you exactly what it looks like when you reach 30, you may think, Oh, 30, that's so many years away. Yeah. Not so much. You know, you, you can know. tell them. I think that's awesome. Hey, if people wanted to reach you and have you come and speak, um, how did they do that? How do they find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on uh, on Facebook on Quincy Lavon Carter, uh, or you can just uh, look up my email on uh, on my website, and my website is quincycarter17.com, and that'll give that'll shoot you right to my email. Or like I say on Facebook, I'm Quincy Lavon Carter. But I say the easiest way is on my website, though, and that'll be QuincyCarter17.com. Great. Was that your number when you played? Yes, it was. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say one more time, QuincyCarter17.com to reach out to Quincy. If you, um, if any of the listeners, if you have a, a young child who's playing sports, professional, or playing football or baseball, or what was the third one you did? Basketball. But yes. <laughs> Yeah, that, you know, you can reach out to Quincy and, you know, get a group together and figure out the details. But, you know, he's got he has a good message. And I, you know, again, it's not the parent saying don't do it. It's the guy who's lived it. Yeah, buddy. Quincy, thank you so much for being willing to tell your story. It's huge. And I'm I applaud you for being clean and sober. I applaud you for thank sharing you. your story, because oftentimes people don't want to share their story and your story is going to impact people and save lives. I know it. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to maybe bless somebody, man, to, uh, to change their life around. I really appreciate it. I just thought that that was a fabulous interview. 
I mean, here is the story that we know will happen if someone becomes addicted to drugs and alcohol. This guy had basically an NFL career of four years, and he could have gone way beyond that, except for the marijuana and alcohol. And if this message can reach young people, if you have a teenager who wants to play professional football and they're dabbling in marijuana or alcohol, you know, hook them up with Quincy because, yeah, I mean, it, it destroyed his career. Once again, we're getting close to the holidays. And if you are an addict, if you have a loved one who is an addict, you need to get help and you need to do it now. Don't wait and say, oh, let's just have the next Christmas with our loved one or the next Hanukkah with our loved one. It's not going to be pretty. While everybody's having dinner, they'll be off sneaking into the bathroom or leaving the house to get high. So get them into treatment. Get yourself into treatment if you need it. But reach out. Asking for help is the hardest thing to do. So once you're over that hurdle, it's downhill from there. Thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed speaking to Quincy Carter. I hope you enjoy listening to his interview. And we'll talk again next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast. Point of No Return, sponsored by Narcanon Ojai. For more information on Narcanon Ojai, call 866-231-5924 or visit www.narcanonojai.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.